Welcome to the Scale Up Valley podcast, where we bring the best founders and investors to help you scale a business from 1 million to 1 trillion. Today's guest is Anders, the CEO of Blue World Technologies. Anders, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, and thanks for the invitation. And you come from uh, Denmark, uh, a dear country. We have a lot of guests uh, coming from that paradise. I've also worked work a lot uh, with, with Danish companies. From what part of Denmark are you coming from, uh, Anders? So we are from the northern part of uh, Jutland. That is the mainland connected to Germany. So uh, so we are, I'm just looking at the water here uh, uh, across my office that's basically the last point of uh, mainland Denmark before a small oh, island uh, 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 a bit further uh, north here yeah. love it you you have an amazing career in the in the green technology uh, space uh, I I will not uh, try myself to explain uh, what you do precisely so I will let this for you. It's the second company that you that you are leading, uh, and now a VC bucket company. Uh, I, I believe that your previous one was not a, a VC bucket, but was super important to start the second one. Yeah. Uh, but I will let you tell your story and and present yourself. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, my name is Anders Korsgaard. I'm uh, I've been working in this uh, fuel cell space for the last uh, 20 years. Uh, have an academic background uh, within uh, fuel cells and a lot of other engineering sciences as well, back from the late 90s and early 2000s, and that's also where I begun my career. Uh, mm -hmm. A little bit just to understand the context for the yeah. for the listeners out there that, that are not that familiar with fuel cells. Uh, it's uh, exactly. fuel cells is essentially a cell uh, where you apply a fuel uh, basically to convert uh, it into electricity. Unlike a battery, which basically you charge and discharge, right? So here you, you just feed the cell with the fuel. So uh, in most cases, uh, people are thinking about hydrogen uh, for fuel cells. Uh, in our case, it's also hydrogen, but we have a so-called reformer in front of it that basically okay. can convert a liquid fuel called methanol and alcohol into uh, the reformer and then convert it into hydrogen that goes into the fuel cell and then we make electricity. How that saves the world uh, is essentially by reducing uh, fuel consumption, and in particular when these power to x fuels right. are coming out, uh, where you make hydrogen out of electricity or something similar. They tend to be more uh, expensive than what we dig up from the ground. So uh, what we are enabling with the use of fuel cells is, is essentially to reduce the fuel, uh, fuel consumption. So essentially saving energy, uh, like an LED pulp or something similar like that. Uh, we are in the energy saving area. And then in, in addition to that, a few other sort of important metrics is that we are zero harmful emissions. So essentially, you will more or less breathe the, what is coming out of the fuel cell. Mm -hmm. uh, that there's no NOx, there's no particle emissions and so forth. Uh, and then at last, actually also for some of the larger applications, uh, we can even also output pure CO2 that can then be compressed and recycled to the power to x factories around the world. So that's sort of what the value offering for the fuel cell, essentially. So this we started to work with about 20 years ago. Uh, mm -hmm. I was a PhD. Um, from 2003, I met my partner, the CTO, who founded the first company and the second company together mm -hmm. with uh, Mas And he agreed on the first day to start a company. Uh, that was actually part of my reason for going back to the university. Uh, and at that point in time, it was extremely political correct to do startups and spin-offs of universities. So the, the managers at the university thought it was a great idea that I did both a PhD and started a company. So, so, uh, so that's what we worked on for three years. Uh, he was assistant professor, uh, the, the co-founder, uh, and, uh, and we basically worked on one company and dropped that and then started up another one, which we, mm -hmm. uh, which we launched in 2006. So that's and yeah. basically the technology we're then working with is, is this called high temperature PEM fuel cell. Uh, no matter what it is, it's it's still a hydrogen <laughs> fuel cell. It's just operating at higher temperature, and that we also did in 2006. Uh, we, we bought most of the, most of the cell, core cell components uh, in the Serenity time, and uh, we scaled that up, uh, particularly using the stationary market for fuel cells, but also we tried planes and buses and cars and uh, trucks mm -hmm. and. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, everything more or less transportation uh, sector. Yeah, I yeah, was sort of experimenting with the market and what worked, what did not. Mm -hmm. 
uh, by 2011, we sort of focused a, a bit more the company in uh, towards the, the stationary business where we built complete systems for replacement of diesel gensets. Yeah. Uh, those systems operated off methanol as well, as we're going to talk about today. And then we uh, sold off the company in 2014 and we left the company by 2018. Uh, it was a German group that acquired a uh, family, uh, family owned uh, company that acquired uh, Serenity, it was called. Yeah. Uh, but we left it in 2018. So that's sort of the, the, the complete background of what we do. So, and, and you have been leading that company from 2006 to 2018 uh, as, as CEO. In 2018, you start uh, Blue World uh, Technologies. What yeah, is... yeah, exactly. Yeah so, so, yeah, so one of the learnings we had from, from, from the first venture was essentially that uh, the so supply chain, so the cell components I was mentioning they were before, they were all materials and so forth. They were not really industrialized, and there was a big sort of showstopper uh, bottleneck uh, for a roadblock for any commercialization moving on. Uh, when we left the company, we that there was some uh, how should I say uh, we had a little bit of strategic misalignment, perhaps. And I no reason to go, reason to come into that in, in particular. But 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 one of the takeaways was essentially this cell technology needed to be heavily industrialized before mm -hmm. large scale. Uh, how should I say take place. Um, we actually didn't intend to start another company when we left. Uh, we're actually looking into other ventures. I, I'm, I've been investing a little bit in other startups myself, myself. myself. Oh, cool. Uh, and we were helping a little bit in one of them. And uh, but after us, yeah, five months or so, we sort of said, okay. You're not done. <laughs> I need to come uh, back. <laughs> yeah, uh, a lot of investors and customers keep kept uh, reaching out to us. And, oh, no, we, we cannot. Uh, <laughs> but we started uh, again uh, five, six months after we left. Uh, but this time it was then the, the fundamentals here needed to be in place. And we took on something that we would never have done uh, in the starting point of, uh, of the first company. And that is to, to, uh, to invest uh, a large two-digit million euro number into building up a production uh, and, and yeah. industrialization of cell technology before you have the slightest kind of revenue. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's uh, it's not exactly what you would you would call a lean startup, in the, but of course it's, <laughs> it, it, it's sort of a, a second version. I, I read all the books, by the way, about uh, yeah lean startups and so forth and, and and but we have tested the market for for, for the last 20 years mm -hmm. and did a lot of spins into the market we know what works and what doesn't what is the lowest cost of energy we need to achieve what is the capex opex models all of that so so, so we comes we uh, we came into blue with a ton of a ton of experience uh, and that and that's sort of sort of where we said okay there's no, no reason to figure that out one more time, uh, developing product and systems and into the market. And you know, before we have our fundamentals in place, mm -hmm. uh, the, 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 there's no reason to really launch any system product or any solutions. Got it. And, and then uh, Blue World, um, where are you in terms of, uh, of, the, of the development of the company, the stage of growth? Uh, yeah, so we started out in October 2018 with a blank sheet of paper. Uh, we raised the first 6 million euro after three, four months. So that was also a Incredible. fast track compared to previously. And then, and then we started to, uh, to, to, to recruit people, right? So we were, we were like 40 people, uh, somewhere 35 to 40 people within the first year. Uh, a lot of them, wow. uh, of course, people we knew uh, from the past, yeah. so that uh, we, our organization grew extremely rapidly, both in terms of uh, numbers, but also in terms of experience. Um, and I understand that, that in this, this first year, from what you have said, you also, the founders also invested a quite substantive amount of money, or did you? We also invested into it, but it was definitely, uh, most of it was driven by external investors. Excellent. So, 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 so people who knew us from around the globe uh, basically invested um, because of what we did in the past. Yep. And that's why it's, it's not something that we could have copied. Why didn't we just do that in the first? <laughs> the first right. Well, it's uh, impossible. Right? Yeah, yeah, impossible, right? So, 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 so we got here. So, so the six, uh, uh, more than six million euro were to a very large as, as, as the pre-seed round, right? And then you were yeah, saying that, 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 that was a seed round of six million years. 
And something special is that your your co-founder comes from your previous uh, venture, which is something that we know founding teams uh, are one of the one of the reasons why a lot of companies fail. So it's 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 a luxury to be able to to found a second company with someone that you've been working for uh, such a, a long period of time, and even bringing a lot of your previous talent from previous company to uh, the new company that already know each other, know you, have also have experience in the field, right? Which is a very niche. Uh, and it might not be easy to find people who are qualified to to work on on that field. Uh, so Definitely. I that was a big so advantage. I was laughing well. a little bit like 10, 15 years ago that the that people were saying, oh, we want to be, uh, we want to build this hydrogen valley in uh, in our part of the country, uh, Europe. Uh, but I actually think that nowadays I think we are like close to probably five, six hundred people in a relatively small region of Denmark are actually working within this space. So, so, so there's actually a high concentration of uh, of experienced people here, both for the R&D and production and so forth yeah. in our region. So, 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 it's, so it's coming along, uh, and 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 so that helped. Um, now, it's not everything about. Uh, so, one thing we often hear, and, and in particular from large corporates, is that you need to focus on your core competence. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so we started up Blue World, and we had only been doing systems and electronics and mechanical stuff, and you know, for, for the right. entire all the part of uh, of the previous company's time. But actually, what we were undertaking here was electrochemical and chemical stuff. A basic something mm -hmm. from my perception, even with an engineering background, I have absolutely not much clue about chemical stuff. For me, it's more like alchemy. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so, so we were actually not focusing on our core competence, right? Yeah. Uh, so, so that's often, so something you often need, just for, for focus on your core competence. But what if the market right. requires you to do something else than your core competence? What do you do? Well, you right. get it. And that's why we actually acquired a, a technology company close to Copenhagen. So in the other end of the company, uh, country, we acquired yeah. that uh, one and a half, two years after we were founded, as far as I recall. Mm -hmm. And, um, and and, uh, and and so we, we took over essentially all the core chemistry, all of that. We, we had some super clever guys with us from the past as well, but 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 not really the scale. So 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 we actually acquired uh, a twenty-five year old old technology company working just with this. Wow. It's not a big company, but somebody who was sort of super super experienced in this field, right? And that was sort of our way to 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 uh, how should I say? Uh, um, uh, to cut short essentially the way to on the industrialization. So if we had had to develop that from all over again and test it for tens right. of thousands of hours, uh, I remind you that it's 1,760 hours is a year. So it, it takes a long time to actually prove that a technology works. And so That's we are actually shortcutting in both in terms of technology and also in terms of uh, personnel to get those guys on board. So they're, they're part of our company now. And beyond that, of course, also doing a lot of hires of, of, of specialists in this area. Another thing we were not actually particularly good at was to do uh, production machinery, but we wanted to do industrialization. We knew that that was an important part, right? We knew the cells, the, the actual fuel cell and the materials going into what was, was a commercial bottleneck. So we need to acquire resources within the electrochemistry and then uh, production technology. And that's basically where we invested the waste of, uh, 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 yeah, amount of our usual proceeds into that part of the organization together with partnerships with very large manufacturers of production machinery. Uh, but, but sort of getting that sort of a weakness turned in, uh, into a strength in the SWOT analysis, uh, I think that, that, that right. was sort of one of the core things we did because this is just essential. You know, it's, if you don't have this, uh, the basics under control, then there's no market ahead. And uh, right. so, so you are asking us where we came, and basically we are now at a, we, we just launched our factory uh, last month. Yeah. After investing tens of millions of euro into it, uh, we got uh, all uh, uh, projects, the development projects. I'm talking both about the product, the electrochemistry, mechanical, yeah. but also the production machinery. There's a tons of uh, development projects there. Some of them initially very much in the research level. Uh, so if you define between research and development, then some of the things we did very early right. on was actually research. So, so we brought all that together. And, uh, and now we, are, we, we launched the, the, our core product, which is the fuel cell stack. Uh, and that's, our, that's the foundation for, for, for Blue World moving on. 
Yeah, and and we will discuss this more more in detail. But you you were starting that in the first year you already started with 30, uh, 40 people. You raised the six million uh, pre-seed round. So you started in October, uh, eighteen nineteen. You you raised the pre-seed round, uh, and and then almost every twelve months, uh, and the last time even in six months, right? You you raised the the seed, the Series A, and uh, last summer the the Series B. Uh, yeah. Round so which is uh, quite impressive from from the speed uh, of going from one 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 round to another, uh, especially compared to your experience in your in your previous company where I believe things were a little bit uh, slower uh, than this crazy rhythm <laughs> that you are. Yeah, we were about uh, the, the the growth. Uh, so after four and a half years in our past company, I believe you were about thirteen people, and now we are one twenty. So it's wow. uh, so it's like a, a ten times faster. <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> but you have been preparing yourself again as you said you needed that company to be able to do that uh today in in this amount and this is important for people to to learn that sometimes uh overnight success uh takes decades uh okay. to build right so sometimes we feel oh, why, why don't i just do what anders did <laughs> so <laughs> uh yeah it, it took some time to get here and and and, and definitely you know to 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 uh I've spoken with very clearly to the investors we got in that that this is a extremely capex intensive journey, right? Yeah, uh, it's it has a potential that is extremely large, but only if you get the fundamentals right. Uh, if you tried that before, if you if you don't have the fundamentals right, then you are then you are basically relying on on, on third party for your savior. <laughs> So, right. uh, and uh, and that's that, that's uh, that's what we don't do. But it, uh, but of course that that part of capital raising is something that is maybe not that typical Danish, maybe not even European. Uh, yeah. uh, and within the technology space, more Tesla, also in the infant <laughs> days, right? In terms of uh, market adaptation. Absolutely. And and this is one of the main complexities, right? Is that typically investors. Uh, go away already or get scared if you are doing a venture with hardware plus software here you are doing hardware plus software plus a factory right or or factories uh so it's it's a very complex uh business model very complex business and also in, even in terms of teams you need uh multidisciplinary teams with uh, and you need to be able to 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 talk uh with very different stakeholders and be able to bridge the knowledge of all of that it is good because we have come from academia and you have turned yourself into a business person and you also invest uh nowadays so you made yourself that transition and maybe it is easier for you to be able to talk to all those stakeholders in a language that uh, they are able to understand and, and to bridge the team and to align the team to come together to to build something amazing yeah exactly yeah so um so that's where we are, and, uh, and 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 yeah, we raised the last uh, round uh, last summer, as you said, uh, thirty-seven. Um, I think there was an ounce, uh, thirty-seven million euro mm -hmm. round, and, and so now we are sort of yeah getting ready for the growth uh, for the growth phase. Uh, so with the launch of the uh, of the stack factory, uh, we have a couple of verticals that we work on ourselves. Um, it's uh, sort of the, the basically. If you combine it all, it's actually only one, but it's basically the diesel genset uh, replacement, uh, where we basically lower the fuel consumption substantially. Mm -hmm. And we have the our stationary product has just been launched uh, a few weeks back, and we are looking into scaling that uh, quite uh, quite aggressively, hopefully as we have been for the rest of the time. Um, and then we're looking into the managing space as well. Uh, uh, definitely a lot going on there, and uh, lots of how should I say partnerships uh, on the uh, on the short term horizon there. So, so let's let's say that the IP and and to talk in a language that everyone can follow, and uh, because this is very technical, the, the it's it's really providing lower fuel consumption, and then you have different verticals and different applications, but the IP and the technology. Is, is always the same, right? That's that uh, you are, exactly. Uh, it's the same cell construction, uh, regardless yeah. of the market, essentially. 
and also the what you are doing is to try to put together all the value chain to be able to yeah yeah basically what we do uh, if you read most books you know it's it, it's about uh controlling the interfaces of the value chain uh when you're entering with a new product and as a so new product in, in the sense that it's not something the world has really seen a scale yet then your uh, supply chain is super fragmented at best <laughs> right and, and 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 so before that's settled uh you need to uh, somehow control the not that you want to do everything in the, in the future definitely you want to hope for modularization of the in the uh, for the industry basically where different suppliers come in at a later stage we, we saw it basically uh, the, 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 what everybody remembers was the, the computer industry right mm -hmm. uh, there was one company doing or uh, the monitor the keyboard the mouse the, you know everything right. uh, maybe one company else supplying the chipset but 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 it was a sort of extremely vertical integrated and right. we saw that you have recently as well with uh, with the e-mobility e space, uh, a company putting up the superchargers as uh, and building battery plants as well. Right. Uh, you know, <laughs> extreme ends of the value chain, and and and, and that's sometimes needed uh, to take that extreme value uh, vertical approach uh, when you're entering with a new product. Um, so unfortunately, that's super expensive. <laughs> yeah, FX wise. So, but, but a huge opportunity as well, right? So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But, so you need to build a platform because there are uh, there are no providers, there are no suppliers that you can leverage on. So you need you need to build the suppliers, and of course you have the customers. So what you need to to create all the value chain because the value chain is, is simply not there, right? So basically, what we're trying to do to avoid sort of doing everything ourselves, uh, you know, you're pretty heavy on engineers and stuff like that. So everybody uh, can see the the value in creating something mm -hmm. new themselves. But we're actually trying to avoid that. Uh, often with both subcontracting, uh, development activity, right. uh, production machinery, uh, partners in the market. Uh, we have the, now the partnership with Deutsch, uh, one of our uh, shareholders as well. Uh, but we're really trying to leverage sort of the, the world around us, but still sort of control the, 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 the core of the value chain um, to make sure that we get the products to the end customer. This is basically what, uh, what makes it by the end of the day, right? And right. and then uh, we 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 do we definitely don't want to build car seats ourselves, uh, so to speak, and you know uh, right. to, to, take, to, to take the other reference. Uh, it's uh, we, we do really see the value in, in partnerships. And if you look over the last four years, I would say in errors, three hundred uh, two hundred fifty to three hundred people have probably been working on this project, where we have only been like a fifty or hundred. But when we count all the consultants, all the partners we have, everybody around us, the ecosystem we have around us, it's it. much, much, much more than the number of people in the yeah. world. And otherwise, we couldn't have overcome this huge challenge. Right. And as you said in the beginning, this is super counterintuitive. Getting back to the to the lean startup models and etc. Uh, etc. Cetera, et cetera. Um, and and especially the radical focus focus on on your core competences uh, focus on your core and try to delegate everything else or uh, to subcontract everything else so you and and that's why it's important to challenge ourselves because that, that's what we have been teaching uh, or teach it but but every single company every single category uh, is is different right so you need to be able to have a lot of courage to see that this is the opportunity and to go in the other uh, direction to be able to to really uh, create all the platform that you need in order to be uh, successful and something that you did that is also quite amazing is is almost to apply a methodology of work and of alignment to be to be focused on this complexity of having different verticals that you are serving right and uh, and having multidisciplinary uh, multi teams serving this, these verticals almost as they were separate businesses within the main business, as we would see kind of a large corporate doing. Again, very counterintuitive because we would say this is not a model or a matrix model that would work in a startup. Uh, of course, nowadays we have also the squads and the Spotify's model that is a, goes in the same direction. 
but let's say that people would say, oh, this seems too uh, corporate to be able to, to make a, a startup and now a, a scale-up uh, succeed. So can you tell us a little bit more about how you have organized it? You have a product director per, per vertical, et cetera. So how the model works and, and how did you have the courage to go against this? Uh, and I'm sure that you talk with a lot of investors that have repeated itself several times and, until the ones who understood you. Uh, you need to find out a problem, a very small problem, and be the best solving that small problem and not try to solve uh, all the problems simultaneously. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Sorry about the, the crazy question. <laughs> I know that yeah, yeah, yeah. it was all over the world, all over the place. <laughs> yeah, I think I got it. So, uh, basically, about uh, our product metric. So, it's not yeah. a, a complete matrix organization, it's sort of a light, but uh, uh, a way of organizing that's addressing radical innovation across right. multiple functions, right? So when you're starting up a company, uh, basically we have our fuel cell stack, we have a, our stationary effort, it's very dedicated product development there, and then we have our maritime effort. So those are sort of our big three product categories. Mm -hmm. um, you have to envision that you're building a company that needs to have as well an operations and a sales team, and you have a technology team. Maybe right. you have somebody there in the sourcing area, but those teams are basically working on a product where nobody has anything in the outset. So there's no production lines, there's no, uh, there's no customers, there's no, uh, the, the, the technology guys actually don't know where they will end. So we have all these sorts of uncertainties and the way we sort of try to address this was basically by having a product director for each product. Uh, basically those three teams, four teams are working together on the product. And that means that the voice of customer, they have been, deep, we have been deeply engaged with customers since we were founded. So it's not like we had just developed and then we launched. We, we have been deep, deeply engaged in the market since we started. Right. But the team members are basically working together in one group. Uh, and what you get out of it is basically when you're going through your product lifecycle, we, we have sort of a standard stage gate approach, but when you are going through the different phases, engaged in a, in a, in a, in a, a product lifecycle. When you get to the pre-series, when you get to, you know, all the documentation to flow in and everything, then you have the team members from all the uh, parts of the organization already being involved. So there will be nobody from production saying, oh, we cannot assemble this, or sourcing saying, oh, this is way too, exempt, uh, too, too right. expensive, you cannot use that supplier, or whatever. They have all been involved from the beginning. Same thing has the commercial guys who are talking to the customers, they are also part of the project. Uh, and that means when you get to the market, you are much more mature than if you just have a development organization sitting in a satellite somewhere and doing some product right. development and, and hoping that will work. And then you have some guys kicking them all the time and, and you create all sorts of conflict by doing it that way. And I tried that for many, many years. And then by the end of the day, we actually agreed on sort of moving that product management outside sort of the functions and to look cross-functionally because alternatively, what will happen is that usually I myself would actually have to go and help resolve conflicts. <laughs> right. Maybe not conflicts, but at least uh, differences of priority. And yeah. it's always a compromise, right? With the product. Yeah. It involves some manufacturing, it involves some supply chain, it involves some technology, and it involves some, 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 some customers, right? Yeah. And, and to reduce that complexity also for me, but to, and, and then more structured following that, uh, how should I say, development process, we, we, we did move it outside in a separate function, these product, uh, product directors that are then monitoring across the organization and across uh, sort of the functions, the progress. And that I was actually inspired by some, some bigger companies um, I've been participating in various networks and so forth. And one of them mm -hmm. is a big uh, Danish pump manufacturer. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and they were actually doing it not for the sort of for the new version pump num uh, number 3.2 instead of 3.1. That's sort of the, uh, how should I say, incremental improvements. This is not done mm -hmm. like, but when they were trying to do something radically new, they actually did the same. So basically they pull out people from the right. different parts of the organization, put them into a project, and then yeah. they did it sort of like in a lean startup way. Yeah. But you involve all the different parties, uh, all the different right. stakeholders in the process of doing that lean startup. So it's basically a yeah. lean startup sort of approach, just 
horizontally on in the in the organization. Right, more much more a, a squad uh, mentality, uh, yeah. and, and it's incredible the importance of organizational design and also how it affects the decision making uh, process and how it frees up a lot of your time. I imagine, as you, as you were saying, if you need to try to align everyone uh, or prioritize uh, all the all the decisions in the organization, the organization will become much slower in yeah. terms of uh, execution, in terms of progress. So exactly. so basically, uh, above the product directors, by the way, we have the, the functional managers. So they are, they are in, in the steering group. So every month, we sort of monitor the progress. And if there's something that needs to big priorities that need to be made between the functions, then it's also taking that form. So, okay. so, so um, I think it's uh, it's working it's working well. Uh, it's uh, I think we have only worked on it for a, a bit less than a year, uh, so I wouldn't say that we have all the nitty gritty uh, details of the process in place. But we right. did write down everything and the vision of responsibilities and so forth. So, yeah. so and, the, and you were saying that the products direct the, the product directors report to whom in the in the organization? They actually report to me, but I'm I'm not allowed to myself sort of to take strategic decisions for them so we do that in the in the student group so i'm more like, okay. like the, the manager the how should i say that the, 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 the directly so uh, uh, lead of them but in terms of what they're actually doing and how they're executing the project this is actually uh, for the student group to decide where okay. i'm of course a part of but it's uh, that it also represents the okay. other uh, function uh, so you have both the, the product directors and the functional executives reporting uh, to you yeah yeah, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Cool, uh, amazing. So let, let's go into uh, deep dive a little bit more on the fundraising uh, components and what have been your lessons learned from pre-seed to series B. And I anticipate that soon, maybe it will be also a, a series C given the, 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 the speed uh, and the amount of time uh, needed from round to round. And something quite impressive is that you were able to attract uh, breakthrough energy as an investor uh, with uh, a fund created by by Bill Gates. So can you share a bit more about the, the different rounds and the lessons learned and uh, who, who, who who is backing uh, Blue yeah. World Technology? Yeah. So uh, I, I think I mentioned already the, the, the seed round, the, the yeah. 6.4 million euro round back in 2000 early 19 or late 18, uh, constituting of some different uh, strategic investors, I would say, primarily from Asia. Mm -hmm. uh, then we raised another uh, 8 million round, which actually should have been a 20 to 30 million euro round. Uh, but we actually, we, 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 were, we were out actually closing around with some VCs and some strategic investors in that order of magnitude where when everything collapsed in March 2020. <laughs> so, right. So actually the, 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 uh, the, the, the VC fund we were talking to actually sort of uh, on their LP side also didn't work out and then they sort of everything collapsed sort of. Uh, so then wow. we were sort of in a, in a somewhere between a rock and a hard place uh, sort of. Uh, wow. What a situation. Had, sorry? What what a story, right? So, yeah. Yeah, so not, not an easy to, place to go. We actually had to reduce a headcount a bit. Uh, at that point in time, so we, I think we were about 40. We, uh, think we had to lay off eight or something at that point in time to stress right. the runway. And of course, we are, I've been used to that. I'm living both with the financial crisis, of course, as an <laughs> the COVID times. So, so we were fairly quick to sort of adjust our cash burn and, uh, and so forth. And then we actually got... Uh, a group of uh, led by some 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 smaller family offices, let's say in a one to two million euro ticket size, to to, to lead the round, and then we we, we did an eight million euro round. But that, that actually ended up in quite a few shareholders at that point in time. <laughs> so we are we are about one fifteen total. Uh, but we managed to go through, and we uh, wow. we did some fund fundamental stuff, uh, and we started to to, to hire a bit again. Uh, was that sort of that was the end of 2020 and then uh, beginning of 2021 we were then back on the track okay now we need to raise that bigger round and actually that's when we started to discuss with Deutsch and uh, and Bexbund and Deutsch being the German engine manufacturer uh, right. company. 
and the next one being the Zara and Wealth Fund of Denmark. Uh, so so, mm -hmm. so we made a term sheet with them about summer 2021. And we're about to actually get into, into due diligence when somebody called us up uh, or wrote to me on LinkedIn. <laughs> it was breakthrough and uh, they wanted to hear more about uh, how about method and, and uses of ships and so forth. And we actually been you know, discussing with the maritime industry for, for quite some while, for a couple of years at that point in time. Mm -hmm. And we could see the logic behind using methanol fuel cells and in particular also methanol on ships. So, uh, so we said, yeah, yeah, that, that, that's something we're looking at. And, uh, and then we sort of, they, they came in sort of a, of a, a little bit of an offset. And that's why the round became a little bit long. Uh, the species round, it became from a trench one in December until complete closing in August, uh, eight months later. Got it. Uh, so they, it was already two trenches uh, with Deutsche and Wexford. So it sort of fits, uh, at least we made it fit. Uh, and then came right. in, in all the regulations about FDI approval as well, so foreign direct investment that came out in Denmark towards wow. the end of 2020, which we didn't uh, actually. <laughs> our lawyer and we, we, we actually didn't know it. Uh, so so that, that also hit us a bit, sort of a bit of delay there. Um, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's basically no, no. Uh, yeah. equity stakes above 10% needs to be approved by the Ministry of uh, Okay. Business, uh, Danish business authorities, uh, it's, it's called. So, uh, so but even for stuff, the German company, they, they need to be approved, and so does break to energy. Okay, so. because of the industry, because of being in the in the energy. Uh, yeah, vertical. like a, a critical technology area. Okay, you were, you were within that space. Because I, I, I never saw that in, in other technology companies. This is just because this is a. Uh, it's something that that's related yeah. to energy and critical technology. Then it's uh, yeah. Software. So we had right. to get two of those approvals. Right? We are used to see it in very large corporates uh, when there are investments from other uh, countries like from China and, and so on in the US or Europe, right? Yeah, and it but was, we are under it's... that umbrella as well. So, so we okay. also had to be... So you are famous. <laughs> <laughs> but now we have a good relationship in the Danish Business Authority, so that's, uh, that's good. Okay. Uh, yeah, so that uh, so that was a little bit in parallel uh, with with the Deutsch and and, uh, and breakthrough yeah. when everything was then closed and sealed and everything in, in August, uh, all the approvals and everything. Uh, so that ended up, and actually we have a we have a from the two thousand twenty round there was actually a relatively new venture fund that came in called Cycle Group. Uh, mm -hmm. That by a guy called Dan Chun. Uh, he's uh, he was he was part of the this family office round with the, when when he uh, he had just started the fund, but now he actually raised quite a substantial uh, fund. Mm -hmm. And uh, and he's also uh, his and and basically some LPs around and now also sort of progressively investing together with the other guys. So so we have sort of four uh, sort of major uh, shareholders uh, that are. Uh, yeah that has been supporting us in, in the 37 million euro race and, and before. And of course, I believe that everyone should be asking the ones who are listening, uh, do you have the chance to work regularly with, with Bill Gates or uh, it's, it's, it's very- He's flying by every week, yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> uh, no, there's been some- do, uh, have, do you have his phone and, and you call when you have questions? About, about no, I, I think it's actually somewhat arm's length. You also have to understand that Bill Gates, of course, has his own uh, right. activities he invests in. And then he, he started up this breakthrough energy. Uh, yeah. That's correct, but but uh, there's a bunch of other investors in, uh, including Jeff Baker and Jack Ma and you know, a lot of those guys are also okay. invested into breakthrough energy. So it's sort of a, a somewhat arm's length wow. uh, to uh, to Bill Gates. Of course, he's still a, a big promoter of uh, of breakthrough energy and also are participating in the uh, in the seminars where they're. Um, uh, where the companies and so forth are, 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 are presenting. So that was one in Seattle last year. Got it. That it that is, should be a great experience. And, uh, and but I think one of the things that, that that is to say about breakthrough is that, that that they're only stepping into technologies that could potentially uh, say, avoid more than one billion ton, uh, half billion ton of CO two. That's about one percent the global CO two emissions. And wow. that's uh, and, and their core uh, sort of incentive to invest in us is basically de decarbonization of the maritime industry. 
uh, as a whole, including the propulsion of container ships and bulk energy carriers. So, so that's the, the small task we need to resolve in the next couple of years. Right, <laughs> love it. So because the technology today reduces the the consumption of fuel. Uh, yeah, it's essentially if you have some expensive e-fuel or biofuel, uh, renewable e-methyl out there, it's very important that you reduce consumption as much as possible because also if you read his book, uh, Bill Gates, uh, there the, are the sort of different challenges here. It's not a matter of whether technology is green or not, it's whether it, how big is the green premium by applying CO2 neutral technology. That's the question you really want to ask. Green premium. The other thing is basically also what is the footprint uh, of mm -hmm. when we want to go renewable across the world? What is the footprint? What, what, how do we have enough space for windmills and solar cells and all of that? Mm -hmm. and, and so we need to re reduce the footprint of uh, energy uh, production as well. And that you only do that by energy efficiency. So that's part of the picture, right? That, 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 that you need to increase the, the, the energy efficiency, right. both from a footprint perspective, but also from a premium perspective, those two things are, are, are super important. Got it. But, but the, the question that I was asking as a, a very uneducated person on this field, uh, which is, do you see a vision of the company to not only produce technologies that reduce consumption and increase the, the efficiency of the footprint, but also uh, being able to, um, to not create any, uh, any consumption of fuel, I would say. Uh, that was more the, the question that I was trying to get. So instead of just reducing, yeah. completely eliminating Full consumption with with the technology is this possible or this is this is really yeah, well, of course you will have a, a fuel consumption you need to get energy, energy from somewhere on the ships okay uh, so got it's, it. uh, it's a matter of ah got it yeah, yeah. reducing the, the the energy amount you need ah uh, got to it the, to the to the extent possible and then it's probably also something and we are coming out with that uh, sort of in terms of solutions for actually returning borrowed CO2 because CO2 is uh, carbon dioxide is just probably the best energy carrier we have or carbon. Nature mm -hmm. invented it like some billions of years, uh, years ago. Um, so basically what we need to do now is to leverage carbon as one of the most abundant materials in the world mm -hmm. for storing energy right, and transporting. And, and But you also need to probably in the future to return it to port in particular for the bigger applications. So actually saving the CO2, uh, getting the CO2 out of the, our exhaust and actually handing it back to port to produce new e-fuels. E because right. the amount of biogenic uh, CO2 available uh, is, is, uh, is, is finite uh, in terms of you can get something from biogas, you can get from forest industry, you can get it from different, and you can do direct air capture probably also at, at some point. But if you can, in a more efficient manner, actually return you uh, use fuel in terms of you know returning CO2. Mm -hmm. That's that's something you you will most likely see in the future because you have it super concentrated coming out. And the business case of actually returning that is price expensive. But it's awesome. And before we get into the last segment uh, of the show, something that we didn't discuss too much was uh, kind of the markets or ge geographical markets that you are serving. So you have very specific. Uh, verticals, but in terms of um, the customers that you are serving, are they more located in Europe, in the US, any kind of geographical expansion strategy that you are envisioning uh, with, with Blue World? Yeah, so we uh, let, let's take our three different product lines and do it super, super short. We have the fuel cell stack. There we're working with the largest uh, corporates and tier ones, uh, mm -hmm. OEMs, uh, that could be truck manufacturers or, or, or uh, off-road vehicle, uh, like construction equipment and so forth. Those guys, we are not serving ourselves. So there we, we are working through partners, large partners okay. to develop systems based on ourselves, right? This is a global thing. Uh, we are not limited in any way. We are, we, we are all over the place, but we are not in sort of a B2, uh, B2B. We are not selling products to anyone. When we Got talk it. stationary, uh, we need to have a far more sort of geographically focused uh, strategy, otherwise we, we will drown. Uh, so basically, we are focusing right now mainly on Europe and uh, in Southeast Asia, and in particular okay. uh, ASEAN. 
Yeah. Uh, so some projects out there. Uh, we may have one or few countries somewhere else, but 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 it but it's sort of uh, focused in that direction. And in the maritime, it's it, it uh, it's there's definitely some European efforts uh, that are easier, how should I say, to work with as a company like ours or at our maturity stage, I would say. Uh, we are we are, we are looking a lot into that, but 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 in general we do talk to sort of uh, potential customers around the globe in the maritime space as, uh, as well. But but most likely we see most of our early demo customers and so forth going on in Europe. And this Got is it. also where we see the biggest pool for uh, for decarbonization uh, of the maritime industry. That that sort of uh, there's been lots of how should I say ship builders out there. Uh, for for ferries and yachts and so forth for the last ten years, uh, uh, willing to adopt uh, methanol and methanol fuel cells on ships, but it's only like one and a half year ago that Mask really st stepped in and said, okay, decarbonization of the maritime industry will at least start with methanol. There's no other fuel that can do it. So so and that sort of made the entire industry boom in terms of uh, production of methanol and so forth. So, so, so that sort of levers a lot, but it is it 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 started out mainly in Europe, and now we see it expanding more globally. But it makes a lot of sense. So let let's go to the last segment of the show where I ask you a, a quick question and you give me uh, a brief answer, uh, please. So, if you would have the opportunity to have a coffee with Anders uh, at end of 2018, beginning of Blue World Technologies, what advice would you offer to your younger self? In the beginning of 2018 or beginning of 2006, but the first or the second? <laughs> the, I would say the second, right? Uh, 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 if it was 2006, I, I imagine that you, you would share even more, right? <laughs> yeah, that, 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 that would be a, a bit more to share there. Um, I, what we did that we shouldn't have on, I'm, I'm actually, I think we have been pretty much on the uh, on the right pathway in, in, a, in terms of blue world. Of course, I think whether that's one of the uh, most important for any sort of startup entrepreneurs is always to have your partner, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so our best alternative to negotiate an agreement uh, in, in many different areas of doing startups, that's whether, you know, you're being hit, struck by uh covid in march and that's your enemy <laughs> or something else <laughs> right. uh, basically never be pushed into a corner where you cannot get out of again i think that's uh that, that, that that's definitely a way to stay stay healthy um, um i think that's yeah that's pretty much the, the the best thing i can say i think awesome what are you the most proud of on your journey so far I think it's, I wouldn't say we didn't have a delay. Uh, honestly speaking, we did in, in terms of uh, getting this factory done, but I'm super stoked and proud about that with our entire team that we, uh, try, we got this extremely complex technology to a level where we launched now the factory and now we are also launching a complete system and we have all the way to the end customer demos actually completed in just four years uh, and despite us being having spent quite a few uh, tens of million of euro i think it's one of the most efficient how <laughs> uh, <laughs> should i say companies in this world getting to this stage uh, and then in just four and a half years i'm i'm, I'm pretty stoked about you know uh, our entire team and everybody who contributed uh, and with the spirit we have, uh, I think that's that, that's really what I'm, I'm I'm proud of. Awesome. Worst advice ever received? Focus on your uh, focus on your core competences. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I fully get it, and, and I repeat that that's, uh, several times. So it it is so dangerous, right? That uh, that's uh, how you end up in a Kodak moment. <laughs> exactly. That that's that's a good point. Exploit and explore. Uh, I yeah, think that, yeah, that's yeah, one of yeah. the you major. Need, you need to figure out what, what what the core competences, both as a human being and as a exactly. company, you need to have to fit the future. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Good point. And finally, the resources. Uh, your favorite book, business or non-business? I, I I I've been. Um, 
I've been reading through tons of startup books, uh, like audiobooks. I've been driving, flying everywhere around the world. I think yeah. these audiobooks and it's an excellent way of uh, getting a lot of info. I'm not really sure which one of them. Uh, I think uh, one of the the, 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 the key ones um, would probably be um, what is it called? The guy um, saying, you know, you need to focus on what is yet not good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I'm just trying to get the, 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 the name of the author. I'm actually terrible uh, to, to remember anything. You know, I have oh. to Google everything. I have to Google my inbox, then I don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Sounds great. No I would, he's called Clayson Christensen. The Harvard professor, yes. and, and I think Absolutely. that's that, that's within our entrepreneurial. If you don't, uh, this is what you want to do to, to focus on what's that not good enough, because otherwise you will be uh, you'll be fighting with the large uh, corporates, right? Uh, so really taking on the challenge is something that is super difficult uh, and that is fundamental uh, for the business you're operating in. Uh, that's really where you create value. Uh, and sometimes it's just an awful thing to do, like building a factory when you don't have any mm-hmm. revenue. But, but it was the right thing to do because this is where the value lies right now. Right. Favorite movie or series? <sighs> and again, I'm mean, just terrible at remembering. <laughs> <laughs> remember numbers, but, 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 uh, but not so much movies and series. I, I, I do like to, to, to sort of uh, hear a lot about, we have, we have some national uh, radio here in Denmark that's, uh, where it's called um, directly translated, uh, to translated or, uh, orientation. It's a sort of like, uh, you, you know, you, you get all the news for the last day for two or three hours. Mm-hmm. I like to go deep, not just listening to, to uh, 250 minutes. I don't really get anything out of that. Um, and uh, beyond that, I'm, I'm not the big movie guy, and I actually don't watch a lot of series either. I, I watch a lot of YouTube sometimes uh, when I have okay. too much time. <laughs> that is great. And finally, your favorite podcast, excluding this one. Yeah, uh, it's a little bit off topic, and it's also because I don't uh, don't have that much time. You know, I, I, I was pretty fond of the, the audio books, as I mentioned previously, right? Right. Uh, but but what what I'm actually a Danish one I actually like to hear uh, is basically a, a series called. Uh, incredible or something you know basically that is mind boggling for the uh, for the human being uh, yeah. and it could be about the, the big bang or it could be about many different things that are that that, 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 that is difficult to comprehend like this sort of the more uh, uh, yeah uh, philosophic <laughs> parts of right. life uh, sometimes to, to, to listen to that that's great resources Anders, thanks so much for making the time and congrats for the amazing journey and the amazing story that you just shared with us. And you are always invited to come back to share the upcoming chapters of of your journey. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And to our community, thanks for being there. We keep bringing you the best founders and investors to help you scale the business from 1 million to 1 trillion. See you soon and keep scaling.